save our wildlife, save the environment, save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with L.A. Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Good morning, and welcome to Our Wild World. This is Ellie Weiss, and my guest today is Johnny Rodriguez. He's been on our program a few times before, and as you'll recall, he was in Zimbabwe and a champion for the stopping and making the world aware of the export of baby elephants being captured from the wild and being shipped off to Chinese theme parks and zoos. And uh, he was with these, he was and still is with the Zimbabwean uh, Conservation Task Force, ZCTF. Um, But Johnny moved uh, to Portugal. So welcome, Johnny. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's great to have you back. We haven't heard from you in a while. It's been a rather tumultuous year. So uh, fill us in a little. You left Zimbabwe. What was going on? Well, I've had uh, seven attempts on my life, and uh, the eighth one was quite a frightening one. I was poisoned, and uh, I've been under medication for the last year, and uh, it, I could handle that, but the big problem was that they started targeting my my family, my kids, and we felt it's time that uh, before one of us loses our life, uh, trying to do the right thing for the wildlife and for the animals as such, uh, we decided to move, and uh, because I, I was born in Madeira, I'm a Portuguese citizen, so I came back to I came to Portugal because uh, I've got the freedom to actually express and actually expose everything that's been going on over the years in Zimbabwe. Well, I'm glad you're still with us. And um, do you have any idea who was targeting you? That, or can we should we stay away from that subject? Well, it's not a problem. You know, the issue here, all the corrupt people that I've got evidence on uh, were targeting me via the CIO uh, to actually shut me up from actually exposing what's going on. And, um, you know, when you fight for for a cause, you don't give up. You never surrender because once you surrender, then it just means that uh, you're talking rubbish. So the thing is, I've got all the facts the figures, and we are releasing most of it into the world, into the public domain. Well, that will be fabulous to finally get that story. And what is uh, the CIO? What does that stand for? Central Intelligence Organization? or That's it, quite correct. It's okay. an arm of the, of the government, of the intelligence of the, of the actual country. And that was ZANU-PF? That is always ZANU-PF. You know, there's no other political party. There's no democracy in in Zimbabwe. Okay, so that brings us to what just happened over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Mugabe stepped down. Grace hasn't quite stepped out yet. She still wants power, but I understand she's under house arrest. So what do you think um, this change will do? Do you think it will make a difference, or do you think... The leopard can change its spots, or are we looking at wolves in wolves in sheep's clothing? 
Firstly, a lot of the people that are in Zimbabwe, you know, all races, um, you know, they're all born after 1980. There's a few older people still remaining, but the issue here that everybody's lived under dictatorship. So psychologically, it's a, it's a big problem. And uh, people are rejoicing and celebrating uh, as if things are going to change overnight. If the country is going to be democratic, then it should be um, all parties involved and let the best man win. And at the moment, it's it's one political, one thief giving away to the next one. And uh, like I keep saying, a crocodile is dangerous in the water, but it's just as dangerous out of the water. So, and the leopard never changes his spots. So we've got an issue there. You know, I believe this whole thing was orchestrated because if the... ZANU-PF element did have elections soon, they'd lose. The opposition would win or the any other political party. But for them to stay in power and uh, because of all the issues, the land issue and all that, you know, there's a lot of questions. Um, will the land go back to the original owners? You know, are these animals that we've got in captivity, are they going to cancel the order to China? Are the 51% shares that they uh, demand from the indigenous people, so it, it's like on a racial issue, uh, does it go back to the people? You know, are we going to drop that indigenization of 51%? There's so many questions which is not answered. And uh, this, this morning at the presidential swearing-in, uh, it didn't give me any better confidence and uh, you know he also was one of the big poachers back in the 2000s uh, who had a gang of uh, gang of people that were actually shooting rhino and removing the horn so there's a lot of issues here which has to be cleared and uh, I can't see a leopard changing a spot so I leave politics alone I concentrate on conservation and the wildlife well thank you for that in-depth uh, look at this because people are celebrating in the streets and um, I've been doing my best to keep up on the news and we all do know that after living under a dictatorship for 30 almost four decades that the majority of people on the ground now who have been living under this they're younger you know they're not quite Millennials but obviously a lot of Millennials and they don't know anything else let's think of Somalia and civil war or Kenya when Moy finally stepped down and they did finally get uh, independent democratic elections. Uh, so there's a lot to look at. It's not going to change overnight. And um, hopefully the interim government will uh, not run rampant and Zimbabweans, you know, have a voice now. They can speak out, um, hopefully without fear of being targeted, which just recent, as recently as a month ago was still happening. So let's uh, catch up. You, Your staff of ZTCF is still on the ground in Zimbabwe, yeah? My staff is on the ground, yeah. For the security reasons, uh, I can't disclose much on the, on the actual staff. I'm well informed of everything that transpires. So the thing is, you know, everybody's celebrating that there isn't a change of government, but... Uh, it's not change of spots. And the, the issue here is that I just hope for the Zimbabwean sake that the people keep on putting pressure on until they have a, a proper democracy where 
whoever, whichever political party that is good enough and can actually uh, give rebirth to the country, they can actually do it. But they, they can't, if they keep quiet, then the, the ZANU-PF uh, arm of it is just uh, not going to work and you're going to find that a lot of people are going to be oppressed and we're going to have the same system. Well, hopefully, hopefully with this, it's it's a tipping point. It's the the leading edge of a paradigm shift. And here's hoping over the years we have learned something. Zimbabwe's learned something, and that um, speaking up and speaking out for what they need and what they care for about their country will continue to gain momentum. So let's keep our fingers crossed for that because we already know what we had and um, it's time to fight for a shift and Zimbabwe's on the edge of doing so. So um, let's, I'm glad you're safe. I'm glad your family's safe. Um, But you're aware of, uh, you had said earlier, uh, 40 elephants. So this is a recent capture of more elephants and our listeners can go back to our previous episodes with Johnny on previous uh, elephant captures from the wild being sent to China. It started, I believe, in 2012, continued on in 2013, 2014, and 2015, I believe. And then there was the CITES meeting in South Africa, and elephants were not uplisted to Appendix 1. And recently here in the U.S., uh, the our Secretary of the Interior, Ryan Zinke, and Trump decided to lift the ban on importing elephant and elephant trophies from Zimbabwe and Zambia. And there have been a lot of petitions to stop this. Right now, as of recent news, it's on hold. But, Johnny, um, you're telling us there are elephants uh, being captured, ongoing, and uh, I think possibly for China. So what are your thoughts about and what are you working on in stopping this ban? How can our listeners get um, get on board with this and what can we do? Yeah, the, the big issue here, the greatness, of, the greatness of a nation can be judged by the way its animals are treated. You know, that, that's the first thing. And um, in 2016, in December, there was 30, uh, 35 elephants that actually were exported to China. That was just this last Christmas. And this is an ongoing thing. And at the moment, we've got 40. I believe the word is for 200 uh, elephants and other species of animals. And these resources belong to the country. And... Uh, you know, the issue here is that we're stealing from the future generation. It's their heritage. We're actually exporting it. Instead of uh, actually taking care and managing them uh, so that it's a tourist attraction, it's the biggest foreign currency earner besides agriculture to actually bring foreign, much-needed foreign currency into the country. And it will uh, alleviate poverty with the communities that live around the, uh, around these areas. And it's not happening because most of the safari areas around the wildlife areas all belong to to the ZANU-PF element and to the um, uh, ministers' wives and daughters and family. So there's a big issue. You know, it's an ongoing war. Uh, we're demanding of this new 
president to actually, if he wants to show that he does mean business, is to release, cancel the order to China and release these 40 uh, baby elephants back into the wild, rehabilitate them and release them back into the wild. But that's wishful thinking. The second thing is that uh, we've got a problem with the Mr. Zinke, who is the Secretary of Interior in the United States, who is actually trying to lift the ban, which we fought in the in the Supreme Court in America, that uh, there would be a ban in place. And um, this gentleman, I think he's got his blinkers on because there's conflict of interest. For one, he is a professional hunter. I don't know how he can represent animals or wildlife when he's a hunter himself. And then he runs one of the biggest organizations, which is the Wildlife Fisheries. Uh, and it just doesn't make any sense. At the moment, we've got an injunction. Uh, it's going to the Supreme Court in uh, Colombia uh, for Mr. Zinke to actually, and uh, Mr. Trump, to try and uh, uh, stop this uh, imports and exports of uh, these trophies because it's only satisfying the very rich people, the people with an ego that uh, hunting is, is, is a right and claiming that uh, it's sustainable and it's conservation. I mean, the first three letters of conservation is a true meaning, which is a con. It's, it's not doing any benefits to the local people, to the rural folk, the poor people. And it's just going in the money that it generates, 3% of it goes to the uh, national parks for the registration of the fees and the licenses. But the majority of the money, the balance of that money goes to the landowner and to the safari operator. And I believe that is unfair. That's very wrong. And uh, the issue, too, with uh, Mr. Zinke, uh, he's got a lot to learn because based on some of the evidence that's been presented to him, it's so falsely done that to actually claim that there's overabundance of animals, it's incorrect. And, you know, we should be using scientific and the science and the researchers' information instead of all this hook-winking uh, hook of people and, and telling people lies that this is the way because this is the way the professional hunter, the hunters actually believe uh, that there's an abundance. There is an abundance. It's not conservation. And we have to preserve these animals. They are going to become extinct 10 to 15 years because you've got the poaching on the one hand. You've got the serious, uh, what you call it, uh, trophy hunting going on the other side. And then you've got the cyanide poisoning. You've got all sorts of uh, repercussions. Because the one thing people must understand in Africa is that uh, – the, the the poor people that saw these rich uh, see these rich white people coming there and shooting, they don't go to prison. They can get uh, uh, held accountable. But if they go and shoot an animal to feed their family, they end up in prison for for 16 years. So you know, there's a lot of questions which we haven't got the answers, and we have to fight that and try and get these animals the right to life. Uh, it can be used in a sustainable manner by shooting with a camera and not a rifle and that way it's more beneficial and uh, we can actually come up with modern ways of uh, techniques of actually preserving these animals. So what we're hearing is the same old argument, Zinke is using the same old hunting argument that 
you know, trophy hunting benefits the species, it helps conservation, and um, it also is very much supported and lobbied by the NRA and the, the safari clubs, the hunting clubs, and um, that's what's unfortunate about our current U.S. administration is that they are in process of dismantling much of our environmental protections from the uh, Endangered Species Act to the Environmental Protection Agency. So a lot of that has been ripped out from our own um, policy through these current politics that seem to be on the road to consume everything while it's here and to heck with the future. So um, that argument hasn't changed. What's unfortunate is that it's been um, been given new life here in the U.S. Um, our, right now, our current protection from this is we've got a few um, avenues. You can protest. You can uh, tweet, Facebook, or write letters to Secretary Zinke and um, state your support of why this ban of importing uh, trophies of elephants or other species from Zimbabwe is not your idea of conservation and speak up and uh, you know get good information about what's going on. The other avenue is write U.S. Fish and Wildlife because we still have the rule in place through U.S. Fish and Wildlife that no species, lion or elephant, can be imported into the United States unless it is proven to show a conservation benefit. So we really need to hold our government um, accountable to these while we work on um, helping Zimbabwe move forward in this interim period that this is not what we would like to see Zimbabwe go for. Um, it leaves currently 40 elephants and uh, in, in hanging, so to speak, uh, from what I understand, 12 lion, several giraffe, and many hyena have already been exported to uh, China so far in 2017. So I'm going to ask a question, Johnny, and I'm not sure if you're able to answer it or not, but it's been in some of the news, and you'd started out saying that this was orchestrated, this uh, change in government uh, and Mugabe stepping down was orchestrated. So China has put in a lot of funding into Zimbabwe, and I'm not yelling at China in particular. I'm talking politics here and monetizing economics and, and, and trade for an agenda. Do you think China has a big role in what's going on right now? Yes, they have. I mean, you know, the whole issue is about uh, financing and all that. But the uh, the big problem that we've got is every time that China invests in a country like in Zimbabwe, you've got uh, them actually <laughs> perforating all the natural resources, the timbers, the animals, and they're not employing the local people. So there's a big political problem. Everybody's got a part to, to play. But the issue here is that every time they invest in a country, they bring their own people from China to to actually do the job. And, um, you know, the biggest problem is that if you look at the amount of investment in China, uh, there's a lot of question marks, and I haven't got the answers to that. Though they built a fancy underground uh, airfield in Zimbabwe in the Eastern Highlands, 
So there's questions you start asking. Then I look at the diamonds, the amount of diamonds that have actually been perforated and stolen out of the country. It hasn't gone into the economy. I've got a lot of reservations about the Chinese. But, you know, the the whole issue, if you're going to open up the market, they have to get rid of those 51% shares to the indigenous people and get the, invest, the right investors in there to actually get the economy going so that everybody benefits. So as much as it seems um, a big change has happened, as Johnny's been saying, there's still a lot of unanswered questions going on. So we're going to do our best here on Our Wild World to keep uh, our listeners uh, informed of what's going on. Uh, Any change that is this big uh, in terms of a, a political and presidential and administration an administrative overhaul has lots of moving parts and we're still dealing with some of the same characters. So if you're in Zimbabwe listening to this, um, you got to remember to keep uh, speaking up and it's time for those that have been working in terms of opposition forces to uh, bring your voices up and hopefully we can uh, see this paradigm shift move in a positive direction and you know, China, Asia is an issue, elephant and rhino. China has agreed to close down its commercial ivory markets by the end of this year. Um, we're not hearing a whole lot about that. But in meanwhile, we're still hearing of China importing um, a lot of wild, live wildlife. So these are still issues that we have to stay on top of and uh, protest if we want this to, to shift from living wild to captive wild and benefiting local people. So um, write letters, tweet, Facebook uh, to Secretary of the Interior Zinke and U.S. Fish and Wildlife and uh, stay in touch with Johnny and ZCTF about what's going on on this current export. And um, so at this point, we're going to take a little break and uh, But stick with us because we'll be right back. We have a lot more to talk about in terms of what Johnny's up to and what the future holds. So we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. 
Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to Our Wild World. Welcome back. This is Ellie Weiss, Our Wild World, and my guest, Johnny Rodriguez. So in the first section, we covered uh, a bit of uh, Johnny's recent history, his move to Portugal, um, his continued fight against exporting live wild-caught baby elephants. There is uh, 40 elephants currently being held and uh, being gathered uh, to be shipped off to China. So during the interim break, Johnny and I were talking just a little bit. Springs up an interesting question. If you stay up on the news, um, China is now breeding elephants and rhino in undisclosed places. Somebody knows where they are, but there's not a lot of publicity about these. So it brings up an interesting question when you say or when you hear that China is going to close down its commercial uh, ivory market. It says nothing about personal use or non-commercial ivory, and and I guess we could extend that to rhino horn. So brings up an interesting conundrum. If they're breeding elephant and rhino in China, what does that mean? Johnny, give us your take on that. My take is that, you know, over 200 rhino have already been exported to China. Um, the elephants from Zimbabwe since 2010 have reached over a hundred already that have gone, and there's another forty to go. The and there were sixty giraffe just recently, two from South Africa into China. Why is China buying all these animals? This question marks. And from what I understand, um, knowing the people that are buying it, they they're all big ranchers and big safari operators in China, and I believe that China is agreeing to stop the ivory trade. But in the meantime, they're going to be breeding and uh, breeding and still continue with the ivory in the, in the market because the biggest market is this China. So they, there's a big question mark. Why are they importing all the, these animals from Africa and breeding them in China? They can't fit them all into zoos because there's too many. It's above the, the normal 
sort of conservation measure. And China hasn't got the best of reputations when it comes to, to animals or even the human. You know, they, they, they're one of the most inhumane uh, countries in the world. There, a lot of that is shifting, you know, the younger generations and philanthropy is now open in China, where before that was very much governmental, uh, governmentally controlled. There was really no such thing as a nonprofit or an NGO there. I read recently there is one Chinese woman that has just donated 20, $10 billion, $20 billion into um Nonprofit and one million of that is going to go into wildlife conservation, and I believe it is about elephants. But Johnny, you bring up a very important point, and you know if South Africa is into rhino breeding, rhino farming, to trade horn, and we covered all of that with the online auction and John Hume and the private rhino breeders and the loss of species, and that so far it has not affected wild rhino being poached and now in South Africa elephants are being poached and um, they're being shipped out of Zimbabwe live uh, in numbers that are beyond what can go into zoos as Johnny said then is China, uh, quest, the question is is China getting into the industrialized or farming of these species which um, CITES doesn't quite control in the Convention on International Trade of Flora and Fauna. It uh, it come, brings up a loophole in terms of domestic trade and um, use of utilization of wildlife. And since elephants are African elephants are not wild in China, then it does bring up a very big neon question mark of the space they need if they're going to be wild versus being farmed and for what purpose. So we need to stay on top of that, folks, to understand what's going on. So um, uh, this brings us to what I'd said about rhino and elephants are moved continuously around the United States, those that belong to zoos. Some of these zoos do have breeding programs and... um, some of them are sanctuaries that use uh, contraceptives and are places for elephants that have been in captivity. Um, so with importing rhino from Africa, there's several places in Texas. What do you think this is about? Do you think it's about securing for conservation, breeding up a population to return to the wild? Or do you think it's about... Uh, the same thing as China, building up an ind- industry of rhino breeding for question mark what purpose? Uh, you, you've you actually asked a very interesting question because the thing is, let's look at John Hume, who is actually the biggest uh, rhino breeder in South Africa. He's not doing it just because the love of conservation or releasing these animals back into the wild. It's all about money. It's all about greed. And it's it's all over the same as the ones that are in in Texas that they breeding. Uh, this is to satisfy satisfy the market, the hunting fraternity. Um, this is where all these laws that uh, CITES haven't got the goal to actually uh, put these animals into an appendix where they're protected. They're not protected at all. And the people can actually utilize them because it doesn't cost you a cent to breed these animals. 
and you're reaping benefits from it. At least 99% of it you're reaping. It's all rewards. I mean, it's the same as John Hume trying to have this offline, um, what you call it, uh, auction. It didn't work. Now, if he really was a conservationist at heart, he should have released these animals back into the wild. You know, we can actually uh, inject uh, a poison or a, a dye into the horn and leave the rhino with the, with the horns because these animals need it to feed and to, to actually assist with the upbringing of the babies. Now, we gain there as a human. We control everything. We are the species that are recognized. We can actually remove the horn and leave this animal defenseless. It can't even feed itself. And then we're saying, you know, I'm doing so much for conservation. I mean, for instance, why are China imported over 200 rhinos from South Africa? It is money. It's greed. That's all it is. That's my answer to that. It's greed, 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 and more greed. It's, it's really unfortunate because you are correct. John Hume is a rhino farmer. And his whole goal with um, several other private rhino breeders, not all private rhino breeders are in, into it for money, but his whole point in doing the online auction originally began is that he would open up to uh, domestic trade. It is still not legal to export rhino horn outside of South Africa, but we had some discussions on this that the domestic trade, you can sell it within South Africa, John Hume and his um, consortium of pro-trade breeders convinced the Department of Environmental Affairs to um, open up this auction online. The auction did not do well. It failed. uh, But also what shifted is in that auction, only John Hume's horns were for sale. And he opened it up to the highest bidder which if you look at what Johnny and I were just talking about, that is not about conservation. That is not about flooding the market with rhino horn to bring down the price of rhino horn in the, in the black markets because there is no legal market. So um, sort of cut off the foot or nose to spite the face in that one because uh, he didn't follow through. And once again, it's private rhinos. So the money does, as Johnny was saying earlier, does not trickle into the general population or into conservation. And Mr. Hume has out and out pretty much stated that he's not doing this for conservation. He's doing it to supposedly bring down the poaching of wild rhino. But we also understand that those who use rhino horn do want the chi, the spirit of wild rhino. Same thing happened in uh, India and China with tiger farm breeding. And then now the export of lion bones. So CITES opening up the trade in rhino horn, um, condoning the trade in lion bone. We're, We're seeing a lot of fallout that a lot of us, like Johnny, myself, and many conservationists have said that the hunting argument and the trade in these species is not going to help species survival in the wild. So we have a lot of questions here. But on the other side of this coin, there are many places in the United States and elsewhere where some of these animals are being exported to that are in to conservation and 
uh, security and viability of the species and hopefully to rewild one day. And Johnny, you mentioned you've been given an offer to work at one such sanctuary here in the U.S. What do you think about that? I, I like it, but there's conditions too. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't believe in killing, trophy hunting or any of these uh, obstacles where you hang an animal's head on the wall. So the thing is, see if the ranch proves to me that there's no hunting or trophy hunting taking part, then yeah, I would like to take the offer. Um, and I'm happy about it because uh, I've been involved with the wildlife and animals all my life. And uh, I'd really have a passion for it. Uh, I really do. And then help fight uh, the safari, the SEI and the NRA who are very involved in backing all these uh, horrendous ideas that they've got at this conservation. Uh, how can it be called conservation when you're actually taking one's life away? I mean, if they took that money and put it into big projects of breeding and restocking, I'd, I'd, I'd be there, right there with them. But they've got a hell of a big influence on, on societies. As you've seen what happened last year, where a lot of these big NGOs who say they do so much for the wildlife and they actually supported this trophy hunting because they say it's sustainable. Um, it's not sustainable because if you're taking an animal's life, you're actually uh, decreasing the, the population. You're not increasing it. You're not helping it. It's not sustainable. So the, there's a lot of questions and we have to lobby. We have to educate people. We have to get everybody uh, like the schools, the universities and all this to actually bring in the curriculum so that people have got an idea right from the word go what it's all about. Because at the moment the arguments is that people are actually training, teaching their kids two years old, three years old to hold a rifle and then shoot an animal and say that's our heritage. I mean it doesn't make sense to me. You know, I grew up in a, in a, in a, in a ranch. Uh, we had multiple sort of from cattle, sheep to wild animals and everything, and we never used to shoot. And I mean, it was so beautiful. It's 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 an attraction for people to come and see the animals in their own habitat, and not in reverse where you see blood and you say, "Well, that's conservation." I'm sorry, you know, I I totally disagree with that. And CITES should wake up and actually put these endangered animals into the uh, appendix one and not appendix two. And also, you, you made a good point, seeing these animals that are endangered, um, we're losing some of the greatest megafauna and iconic species, lions, elephants, rhino, and um, exporting them to other countries, I think, as Johnny is saying, takes some of Africa's heritage. Yes, we're living in a globalized world, but these species are native and endemic indigenous to Africa. Um, there are sub, uh, you know, parallel species that live in other countries, but they're going in state extinct. In fact, there was a notice yesterday that the Javan rhino has been officially declared extinct. The northern white rhino has been officially declared extinct. There's three, um, three of them left, and they're all beyond breeding age. So we need to get on the ball to conserve and protect and find ways of sustainably raising these uh, reproducing viable populations of these species that don't include 
killing them. And when, in terms of trophy hunting, the trophy is all about the biggest and the best. So we're removing the biggest and the best, the survivors that have learned how to um, compete and live in the wild from the gene pool. So trophy hunting is not necessarily, Johnny and I agree on this, the, the way to go. There is hunting, and I don't know if this is the time to have this conversation, but not all hunting is trophy hunting. Um, so in this country, hunting for deer or elk for meat is, is a different kind of hunting. There's problem animal control, and then there's what defines the problem animal. What's it being a problem about? And it's usually because it's in uh, conflict and competition for the same resources we want. So as Johnny had said earlier, we humans are deciding the fate of the direction of the environment, the ecosystems, and the animals that are going to survive through our future in their natural original habitats and the people who depend on them, live with them, and are of economic benefit in situ, in their place, and what that can do for a country's uh, economic bottom line. So there's some questions to be answered about these sanctuaries in the U.S. bringing in these species, and um, are they going to be rewilded? So we have a lot of work to do, folks. So, Johnny, um, tell us some more about what you see for the future of these species um, and preventing them from going extinct. Uh, endangered species. You know, I'm not totally against hunting, but I'm against humanity at this point in time continuing to hunt endangered species that we're working so hard and spending so much money and raising so much money to just keep from tipping over the brink into oblivion. Sure. Uh, firstly, I'd like to explain something first so people can understand. We have got a human plague in this world at the moment, on, in this planet. We're overbreeding, overpopulating. We're encroaching into the wildlife areas, into the wild animal areas that are supposed to be preserved and managed for the future generation. Nobody's putting any controls about the overpopulation of the human. We've got a serious problem. The thing is, we have the responsibility of actually looking after all of these endangered animals and prevent them from going extinct. It's no use in 10, 15 years' times we clone these animals and we say this is the way to do it. Why, why are the humans always interfering in nature? You know, we're supposed to be the intelligent ones that where we're supposed to preserve, be the guardians and actually give them the right to life like everybody's got. I mean, they've got just the same right as we do, as you and I and everybody else does because God put them on earth so that we could have the pleasure of having of seeing them around in our own habitat. And I do believe that we've got to do a lot more than we're doing now. At the moment, there's so much talking and no action. And it frightens me because... Decisions are not being made in the right way. It's going one way, then the other, then this way, and then that way. And we're not actually doing something factual and concrete about it. And these are the, the, the issues that we have to fight for um, to give them the rights. It's the same as the aquatic life. If you look at all the, the seas, 
the oceans itself are so polluted with all the plastic. It's all human made. We're not cleaning up. We're actually destroying ourselves. But we sit here and we say we've got the right to encroach in the wildlife area where these areas are actually open and being put there so that these animals have got the freedom. We should be opening more corridors so that all the different species can survive. Well, you, you bring up two really important topics that we need to address as humanity, as a species that would like to continue living on this earth. A, population control. That's a sticky one because how do you tell people or which people to um, increase their population? And the effects of this overburdened population, we're 9 billion strong now, of taking up so much space that used to belong to wildlife and the resource wars that are going on, water, deforestation, climate change, all of these things are having an impact mostly on uh, the wild spaces because they're the ones that are dealing with the effects. So the human population question is one very big one that needs to be discussed by everybody. What are we going to do to reduce or not increase our numbers exponentially so that, as Johnny said, in 15 years, there's many more billions of us. Where are we going to go, let alone where will the wildlife go? And does that bring us to a point where everything is managed? These endangered iconic species just for us? And then there's Johnny's point, in my view, that Earth has its right, whether God created it or its evolution. It, I don't really, it, I don't think it matters. But the thing is, they were here before us, and we are getting out of control and destroying the rest of life on Earth. Which, if we would like to continue surviving, and our children's 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 children, then we need to do something about protecting our earth not just as a resource but of a place of awe and wonder and magnificent forms of life and life as we know it to continue so these are big questions that we as a species need to begin addressing Um, all the conservation work and the money spent on it will be for naught if we don't change our way of living on the planet so then the uh, second point is um, which I segued into is where will wildlife go if we don't set aside enough space for the megafauna to do what it does. So this brings us back to places like Zimbabwe and Kenya where these species and South Africa where these species continue. Um, So far we seem to have addressed it through industrialized farming and breeding but once again it's broken down into monetary units for us. So, Johnny, how do you think we can go about reigniting, renewing, reinvigorating this connection to Earth and just its awesome myriad forms of life that we don't even know about it all yet to young people today that are taking part in politics, taking part in our future, and having to decide what we utilize how we utilize it, and how we sustain it and conserve it. We, we can do a lot uh, to prevent a lot of these things. It's just one common thing in this world is that educate, 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 education. 
we have to take a 5 to 10 or 10 to 15 year investment in the education of everybody and teach all these uh, different subjects of environment or the wildlife of the forestation of the trees why do we need it because without it the human won't survive we need all to play a part and our biggest problem is that so many people are ignorant they they've got the right but if they had to actually learn something and we teach them and educate the people i believe we've got a chance this is why in China, for an example, and in Vietnam, you've got a lot of the youngsters getting involved, and this is what we need. We, as the older generation, we went wrong somewhere, and we have to now really put a lot of energy and effort into it, and let's try and lead by example, by showing the right path, the right way to do it. And that, to me, uh, we have got a chance before it's too late. We have to to take this responsibility of actually preserving, uh, stop all this trophy hunting. Anybody that wants to kill something, to put food on the table, do it humanely. You know, not this crossbow and bow and arrows and all the spears. You know, that's very primitive. I mean, we're supposed to be uh, a superior race, but it doesn't look like it. And we, we now have to go back and educate the people and let's take it forward. I believe we've, I'm optimistic about it, and I believe we can achieve it. You know, if if all these people actually take the blinkers off, look around them, and let's do the right thing, because it's staring us in the face. And I think a lot of this education we're talking about is not necessarily educating Africans, which a lot of people automatically assume you know, save Africa and its wildlife from Africans. There's a lot of indigenous uh, old knowledge, cultural knowledge, that um, Africans lived with this wildlife before the whole colonial model of militarization and uh, that kind of conservation model came along and cut the communities out, which is a lot of what we've been talking about. Um, I think a lot of this education has to happen in the developed worlds like the United States and Europe um, that do not have a great relationship in their historical relationship with wildlife. Here in the U.S., we killed off wolves, we killed off mountain lions, and now we're trying to bring them back, and it's still an issue between livestock uh, owners uh, and wolves, wild wolves, you know, no wolf, the only good wolf is a dead wolf, the only good mountain lion is a dead one, and our current Department of Wildlife and under the USDA is on a predator killing program. So we've got to shift the, the mindset, as Johnny said, of our young people, um, I'd say in the developed world, to learn from our own mistakes and provide positive models, which we've trying, been trying to do across the world for elephants, rhino, lions, tigers, panda bears, you name it. But it somehow got detoured into hijacking the word conservation into units, monetary units that benefit us alone. And I think what Johnny and I are both trying to say is that we have to redefine conservation in that it is about a whole earth and a functioning planetary ecosystem that gives the right to life 
to everyone. This doesn't mean animals will never die, but I don't think, and as Johnny had said, we should be making a quote-unquote sport out of killing. I think that's the wrong path for the human light to take. Do you have anything to add on that vein, Johnny? No, i just like to say and thank every, all the listeners and everybody. And uh, if they take just a little bit of time to understand and listen what's going on and actually put the, a bit of energy, five, ten minutes a day, towards uh, reconsider all the issues that are present in front of us, I think we could actually go a lot uh, quicker saving these uh, animals that are becoming extinct and actually do the right thing. And, uh, you know, we can't live without the, the these animals because they all play a big part in the ecosystem. Uh, a lot of the, our medicines and all that come from the roots and these, these animals, birds and all these different um, species of animals are actually helping us to survive. And that is the one point that people must understand. Let's all work together. Let's all unite. Let's think with the same sort of opinion and let's go forward. I believe we can do it. And I, 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 do, I do too. I think I'm very optimistic. We have to be in this business, so to speak, because conservation is long-term. And let's not forget all the other uh, flora and insects and everything that creates life on earth as johnny said these megafauna and these iconic and endangered species are critical look at them as umbrellas who uh, drive the ecosystem and are architects of these wild spaces that provide life for us we like to call it ecosystem services but let's renew the language of how we talk about the wild and bring back awe and wonder and the magic that is life so um johnny's correct we have a lot we can do um so pick a passion pick any passion out there folks and get involved because now is our time and uh we have all the time in the world as long as we start now so there's lots we can do you can listen to this program you can contact any one of the guests you can get involved so um unfortunately we're out of time today uh johnny do you have any anything to add no i would like to say god bless everybody and uh i'm very optimistic that we will find a way forward and i thank you and all your listeners for taking the time to listen to us well thank you it's always a pleasure speaking to you and you're absolutely right we can do something there is life beyond trump there is a bigger world than just the united states so step outside into our wild world poke a hole in your bubble and see what's going on thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week and thank you johnny thank you very much appreciate it and um, everyone have a great week thank you again for joining us this week Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now. 